Welcome to the podcast of Jessup First United Methodist Church, featuring our pastor, Rebecca Duke-Barton. We're so glad that you're joining us here at Jessup First United Methodist Church. We are officially in hurricane season now. It's the time of year when we start obsessively watching the weather, checking our weather apps. We want to see where Jim Cantori is. I wish this was a year he could just sit out along with the rest of us. One has already made its way up the coast, and even when it was downgraded from a hurricane, the wind and the water still managed to create havoc, leaving so many people without power. Add that to unrest in cities and a pandemic, and we've got a real storm. Garth told us some knock-knock jokes at the top of the service, and one was, knock-knock, who's there? Rita. Rita who? Read a Bible story for good news. So that's what we're going to do today. Read a Bible story and hear the good news. This is from Matthew 14, beginning at verse 22. Immediately, Jesus made the disciples get into the boat and go on ahead to the other side where he dismissed the crowds. By the way, the crowds are the 5,000 who have just been fed. That's where we're picking up in the gospel story. So he dismisses the crowds. And then verse 23, And after he had dismissed the crowds, he went up the mountain by himself to pray. When evening came, he was there alone. But by this time, the boat, battered by the waves, was far from the land, for the wind was against them. And early in the morning, he came walking toward them on the sea. But when the disciples saw him walking on the sea, they were terrified, saying, It's a ghost! And they cried out in fear. But immediately Jesus spoke to them and said, Take heart, it is I. Do not be afraid. But Peter answered him, Lord, if it's you, command me to come to you on the water. Jesus said, Come. So Peter got out of the boat, started walking on the water, and came toward Jesus. But when he noticed the strong wind, he became frightened, and beginning to sink, he cried out, Lord, save me! Jesus immediately reached out his hand and caught him, saying to him, You of little faith, why did you doubt? When they got into the boat, the wind ceased, and those in the boat worshipped him, saying, Truly you are the Son of God. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. I think it's a contractual obligation to tell a walking on the water joke when we read this story. Lots of those jokes start off with a minister, a priest, and a rabbi in a boat. You've probably got a favorite one to tell. But here's one I found funny. A girl growing up in Wisconsin was told her whole life that all of the women in her family could walk on water on their 21st birthday. She never really believed it. But when her 21st birthday came, she had to try. She stepped out onto a lake and promptly fell in. When she came back home soaking wet, she asked her mother to finally tell her the truth. Nobody else could walk on water, can they? Her mother said, oh yes, we all did. Of course, the other women in the family were all born in January when the lake is frozen. Your birthday's in August. That is for real about winter in Wisconsin, y'all. 
I had a friend who lived in the northern part of Wisconsin, and we went there one spring break in March. It was not spring in Wisconsin. And we drove a car out on the lake. A car! Now, of course, I didn't trust it. I'm the, I had driven my car to Wisconsin for our spring break. But we don't have lakes that freeze like that in South Georgia. And I wasn't going to test it with my car on frozen water. But she felt sure, and so we took her mom's car. We drove out onto the frozen lake. Who knew I'd not just be walking on water, but driving on water. It's funny that this Bible story has become such a source for jokes, but it isn't much of an inspiration for paintings. N.T. Wright says this is so surprising because you would think it would be inspiring with the storm raging and Jesus shimmering and the disciples on the boat and Peter between glory and terror trying to step out. But he says maybe this is because Peter doesn't come off great in the story. The disciples are cowering in the boat, and Peter is starting to sink. But the truth of the matter is I'm impressed with Peter for stepping out in the first place when he saw Jesus coming, because I don't know that I would have trusted the water. Note the timeline in the gospel. They've had a long day. Jesus went away in the evening to pray, and the disciples got in the boat and spent the night being shaken by the storm. And then comes Jesus in the early morning, and they think he may be a ghost. It's been a long night. I totally understand not taking that first deep step out into the water when you aren't sure that the water can hold you. But the truth of the matter is, it's not that Peter could trust the water. It's that he could trust Jesus. N.T. Wright says this is actually a perfect picture of the life of faith mixed with some doubt. A lot of our story as disciples is deciding whether to get out of the boat, taking a great step forward toward Jesus in faith, but then taking our eyes off Jesus, even for a moment, and finding that Jesus has to rescue us yet again. We are learning about faith and trust as we go and knowing that our trust can't be in the water and the storm, but instead our trust is in the Lord Jesus Christ. This story in Matthew is almost a sequel to what happened in Matthew 8. Remember that? There was a storm then too because that's what happens on the Sea of Galilee. Storms come up without warning. That time, Jesus was in the boat with his disciples, but he was asleep when the storm came up. There are some people who can just sleep through anything. Storms, a screaming alarm clock. Can I get an amen? If it is lightning in the middle of the night, I am up. But there are people at my house who just sleep right through it. Jesus was calmly asleep, but the disciples were afraid, so they woke him up. And he spoke a word, and the sea calmed, and the disciples were surprised that even the wind and the waves obeyed him. But you see, that's why we trust in Jesus, the Lord of the wind and the waves. So this time in Matthew 14, the disciples were in the boat again. 
But Jesus had stayed behind to pray and he wasn't with them. And they were afraid again. But Jesus, coming to catch up with them, came walking across the water, again, calm in the storm. It's a good reminder for us, hurricane season though it is, that Jesus is the Lord over the wind and the waves. Jesus remained calm in the midst of the storm, and he spread his calm to the wind and the waves and to the disciples themselves. Take heart, he said, it is I. Do not be afraid. Peter doesn't stay up the whole time. There's this moment of terror, but he still knows where to turn. Oh, Lord, save me, he cries out to Jesus. He doubts his ability to walk on water. That experiment failed. But he doesn't seem to doubt that Jesus can save him. And so he gets back in the boat and worships Jesus along with the other disciples. It wasn't wasted time for him. It wasn't a crisis of faith. It just showed him to always, always focus on Jesus. Jesus alone can save. It is I. Take heart. Do not be afraid. That's a word I think a lot of us need. There's been such an ebb and flow to the last four months. We've all been in the middle between glory and terror. I honestly had one of the most spiritual Good Fridays that I've ever had. Because, of course, I preached a Good Friday sermon, but we recorded it ahead of time. And so, during those six hours on Friday, all I had to do was contemplate Jesus and the love he has for us and how he saved us on the cross. And Pentecost... I had a lot of time to celebrate the work of the Holy Spirit and to reflect on what the Holy Spirit is doing in my life and in the life of our church and in our world. I've had some really spiritual times of having my eyes completely focused on Jesus in the last four months. But then, in some ways, this time is busier than ever as we try to figure out how to do things differently. And I'm frustrated because I can't see people when they're in the hospital. And I don't know about you, but all of the little decisions that have to be made are hard. Have I been exposed? Is that exposure too close for me to go out? Do I need to stay home a few days? So many small decisions that have to be made. And we go back and forth between these moments of totally focused on Jesus and moments of looking at the storm. Lord, save me. It's my cry just as it was Peter's. Lord, save me. I want your calm, your peace to wash over me. I know I need Jesus. When I focus on Jesus and his calm and his peace and his glory, that's what I experience. That washes over me. I may not be sure what to do in the storm, but I am sure that Jesus is in it with me, and I trust in him even in the storm. The old gospel song says, sometimes he calms the storm, and sometimes he calms his child. His words are so comforting. Take heart. It is I. Do not be afraid. When you know it's Jesus, it changes your perspective. 
Do not be afraid, not because there's no storm, but because Jesus is in the storm with you. When we focus on Jesus and not the storm, our life is so much better. We don't have to be afraid. Now, because Jesus is Jesus, he calmed the storm and saved the disciples. But do you know what else happened? When Jesus calmed the storm, it didn't just help the disciples in the boat. He helped everybody on the sea. Those are the words of Charles Sturgeon. And I love it, don't you? The thought that what Jesus does for us isn't just for us, but it's intended to be a blessing for the whole world. A boat has been used as a symbol for the church for centuries. If you stop by our sanctuary and look at our kneelers that tell the story of Jesus, it goes all the way to a boat that symbolizes the church. You should stop by the sanctuary and see. So this is one of those times when you can see in the Bible that Jesus is, is blessing his disciples and eventually the church to bring hope and help to everyone else. We are blessed to be a blessing. It's exciting to think that we're part of that as the church, part of a group that's so focused on Christ that we can help everyone else. What Jesus does for the church helps the whole world. I think that's so important as we tell our story right now. All of that I've already said about Jesus calming our hearts and bringing peace. That's not just for us personally. That's for us to be salt and light in the world, to share that message in a world that's in the midst of a storm. It's so important for us in the church to keep our focus on Christ we need to tell people, as the scripture says, what kind of man this is. When we look at the storm, we become afraid. We panic. All we can talk about is the, the storm. When we look at Jesus, though, there's calm. There's peace. He is the kind of man who can speak calm into the winds and the waves and the storms of life. Some Christians have taken to calling this Corona Tide as though it were a liturgical season of the church. We know how to tell our story in Easter tide, in Christmas tide, but in Corona tide, we're having to figure out a whole new way to tell our story. We're in a storm, but we can't let the storm become the story. We acknowledge storms, but they aren't our story. Jesus is our story all day long. Jesus is the church's story. This is my story. This is my song. Praising my Savior all the day long. We can have that blessed assurance in our hearts and lives that then spread as we tell the story of Jesus. There will be times when the seas are choppy, but Jesus is the one who brings calm. Our Bishop Lawson Bryan says we in the church have a tendency to lose faith, to take our eyes off Jesus. But he uses the metaphor of thermostats and thermometers. And so we have a choice about how we'll be in the midst of a storm. So a thermometer can only reflect the temperature of something else. If things are hot, the thermometer runs up and gets hot too. The thermometer in August is nothing but hot. 
but all the thermometer can do is tell you that news. The thermometer can't do anything about the heat to cool it down. But there is something that can help do something about the heat, and that's a thermostat. We know that in August in South Georgia better than anyone else. I check mine every night before I go to bed because I want to sleep at a cool temperature. The thermostat sets the temperature. You see what I mean? We can be a thermometer. We can see the world around us angry and upset, and we can take that on too. We can get upset and afraid and angry, or we can be calm in the storm. We can bring peace when there is anger. We can be the cooler voice in a situation. We can set the temperature in the room. We can be a thermostat. We can bring calm as we walk in in the presence of Jesus. You see what I mean? We have the opportunity to be the calm voice. And that is what God is calling us to do. The bishop shared with us a story of Reverend James Howell in his inner city church that had a storm when kids came to youth group and they were drunk. People in the church made a choice about how to react. So this is what he said. The thermometers were furious. They reacted immediately. Those kids are worthless. What is wrong with the parents? Get those kids out of here. We can't have that in our church. You can imagine the comments, the anger that came. But then Reverend Howell said, there were the thermostats, the people who kept calm in the storm and started seeking solutions. This is our community. These are our teens. What can we do to help them? How can we make a difference in their lives if they're teenagers and come into church drunk, there's something that we need to do to help change in their lives. We need to help calm their storms. So they came up with all sorts of plans about how to help those kids. People who know that Jesus is the one who calms the storms can stay calm themselves, even in the midst of a storm. Because we remember, Jesus is our story. Not the storm, but Jesus, the one who is Lord of the sea and the waves. Do you know we have a mission statement in the United Methodist Church? Our mission is to make disciples of Jesus Christ for the transformation of the world. So if you're part of this church, you're part of a mission. But the truth of the matter is you don't have to be Methodist to be part of that mission because the mission of the church is to make disciples of Jesus Christ, to go into all the world and make disciples. That's what Jesus told us. We're all in the same boat as Christians. We are all on the team. You are the church. And you personally can help us all keep our eyes on Jesus, the one who calms the storms. Carolyn Moore of Mosaic United Methodist in Augusta says this, Jesus calls us the salt of the earth. Salt isn't a spice. It's more important than a spice. It's made up of basic elements. You've got to have salt in your body for it to function properly. 
So when Jesus said, you're the salt of the earth, he means that we're essential, not just for the good of the church, but the good of the whole earth. You'll remember that Allison Evans from the Methodist Children's Home came to speak to us at the beginning of Corona Tide. It was the week that everything was starting to shut down. But she came and talked to us about the work at the children's home, how they are salt and light for the world and for this group of children. Allison, I've heard before, tell an incredible story about a hurricane that came through Florida and Georgia. It was a couple of years ago. In fact, it might have been Hurricane Michael. So, Macon is our main campus, but they have homes in St. Mary's and Columbus and several other places. So, she brought all those kids to Macon. The children's home in Florida had to evacuate to Georgia. That was 106 people. So, Allison found a way to make room for them at the children's home in Macon. We have a center at the children's home that has a large kitchen. Community organizations in Macon meet there. In fact, I went to a wedding there one time. They just serve a lot of really good meals. So, during the hurricane and when they had all of these evacuees at the children's home, the kitchen never stopped functioning. They said they could feed a crowd, so come on. That's what Jesus' people know. You can feed a crowd, right? Magnolia Manor of Macon is right next door to our children's home. That's our ministry for senior adults. Their generator didn't work well, so the children's home kitchen fixed for them too. The storm came through over the weekend. Monday and Tuesday came, and then... It was Wednesday and things were calm. And do you know what Allison Evans had the children do? She took that whole group of kids next door to Magnolia Manor to see what the kids could do for the senior adults. I love that the children's home is teaching kids that they can do something to help. They can be a thermostat. They can make a difference in the world and bring peace and calm and joy as they go about. What I love about this in particular is that Allison Evans is the CEO of the children's home here in Georgia, but she didn't see her responsibility just for that one group of kids. She welcomed in kids from Florida. She took responsibility for her next door neighbors who were senior citizens. She is definitely a thermostat. She sets the temperature for the children's home and for a ministry that can extend to others. There wasn't just calm in her little boat, but there was calm for all the other boats around her. This is what Jesus' disciples do. When Jesus blesses the church, we recognize that Jesus is blessing the whole world through us. Allison talks about her work at the children's home, and she says one of the biggest troubles that many of these children have is, as they become adults is holding down a job because they come from families who have been through storms. And they haven't always been part of families where work is a priority. So teaching them a work ethic is part of the way that they, they raise kids at the children's home. 
they give the older ones a job and let them earn money because the children's home hosts a lot of functions in that great kitchen that they have. They teach them to save a third for long term, save a third for a short term goal like an Xbox, and, and then they have a third that they can spend on their needs as they go along. At the children's home, they are speaking to these kids who have been through storms and calming them and pointing them to Jesus because it really isn't the disciples who calm the storm, but it's the disciples focused on Jesus and he calms the storm. He brings peace. He is the Lord of the wind and the waves. I'd imagine if you work at the children's home, you know every day that you are making disciples of Jesus Christ for the transformation of the world. And that's our boat too. The Children's Home, Magnolia Manor, this church, our community. We want Jesus to calm our storms that we're in and by doing so, help all of the other boats on the sea. Last week, we talked about the importance of fervent prayer for the church. We read Acts 12 and Peter again. He was in the middle of that story. But he had learned something about Jesus from staying calm. Because the night before when he should have been executed, he was sound asleep. At the 855 service last week, Rhonda picked a song that started with this message on the screen. If God answered the prayers you've been praying, would it change anyone's world but your own? This is about the fervent prayers that you pray. They are meant to be salt. They are meant to calm not just your boat, but the whole sea. If God answered the prayers you've been praying, would it change anyone's world but your own? I want us to spend a moment here in prayer. And I want us to pray not just for the storms that are in our own life, but also for the storms that are going around on the seas for everyone. Will you pray that the one who speaks to the wind and the waves will speak into your own heart and bring you calm and peace? Pray that prayer. Lord, calm my heart. Bring me peace, Lord. Help me to, to not worry, but to focus instead on you. Now pray that the one who calms the sea will wash away the pandemic and heal all those who are sick. Lord, as we keep our eyes focused on you, we pray for our whole world. Lord, wash away this pandemic. We see it getting worse and worse, but Lord, we need you to make it better. We need you to wash it away. We pray for all of those who are in the midst of it, who are sick, who have family who are sick, for those who work in the hospital, for doctors and nurses and, and people who clean up. Now pray that the Lord of the universe would help all of those who have decisions to make in the midst of the pandemic. Lord, we lift up to you all of these decisions that have to be made. 
Lord, we lift up our school system. We pray that you would pour out your Holy Spirit on all the decision makers. We pray for administrators and teachers and our precious children who are scheduled to go back to school. Lord, we pray that you would put our eyes on you as we make decisions. We pray for all of those in government, for our leaders. Oh Lord, give us your godly wisdom. Now pray for the church. Pray that the Lord of the universe will give us a heart to be the salt of the earth, to be the thermostat, to set the temperature, to bring calm. Let's pray that prayer. Oh, Lord God, you who calm the wind and the waves, let us be your representatives here on earth. Let us be the salt that you've called us to be. Let us keep our eyes on you so that when we tell the church's story, we can tell the whole world not to look at the storm, but to look at you. Let it be so, Lord. Bring your calm, bring your peace. Thank you, Lord God. As we've prayed through these prayers, just keep thinking about how you can be the church. If God answered the prayers that you've been praying, would it change anyone's world but your own? Pray for calm in your heart. Pray for peace for the whole world. And now I have one more prayer that I want to share. And this prayer is from Tony Peterson in the African Worship Book. And it plays on that idea of Peter asking before he steps out into the water, Lord, if it's you, call me out into the water. And so we'll pray this prayer together to close our sermon. Lord, if it's you, we need to hear from you. When we are alone, when we go away to pray, when we have little faith, when we are battered by the waves, when the wind is against us, when we get in the boat, when we're terrified by our ghosts, when we seek you on the mountain, when we cry out in fear, when we start walking on water, when we began to sink. Lord, if it's you, speak to us. Calm our fears, calm our storms, strengthen our resolve, remind us who you are. Walk to us, call to us, save us. Reach out your hand and catch us. Quiet the wind around us. Lord, if it's you, we worship you, for truly you are the Son of God. Friends, I'm praying today that we recognize Jesus. And in the wind and the waves, that we keep our focus on him and let him quiet our hearts and bring calm to the whole world. May his peace reign. Amen. You've been listening to the podcast of Jessup First United Methodist Church. 
with Rebecca Duke Barton. If you'd like more information about our church, please visit our website. It's jessupfumc.org. That's J-E-S-U-P-F-U-M-C dot org.